TikTok is a private company that's causing problems for some of the biggest public companies. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me today, Motley Fool Senior Analyst Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. The two biggest players in digital advertising are, unsurprisingly, Google and Meta Platforms, but it appears that their collective bigness is getting a little smaller. According to industry analysis reported by Axios, that this year, the two companies are going to bring in less than half of all digital advertising in the U.S. That's the first time since 2014 that that has happened. So, it's, they are still dominant, but their dominance is coming down a little bit. And there are a few ripple effects I want to get to. But I, I think first and foremost, Bill, if you are a shareholder of either Alphabet or Meta platforms, how concerning is this to you? I would describe it as being at least partially concerning. There are two places where most of the incursions have come. The first is what very broadly is called e-commerce, but you could very specifically call it Amazon doing their own ads. And the other place is TikTok. TikTok has taken a pretty substantial market share, especially amongst the types of consumers that advertisers most favor the, the 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 30 and below tend to do searches using TikTok rather than uh, Google or Facebook or any of the other search engines. So it is a bit of a sea change. It's also important to note that it is still a rapidly growing, rapidly changing industry. So I wouldn't describe it as a four alarm fire, but you know, they, they, they should, in fact, wonder where that warmth is coming from. I want to get to TikTok in a second. But first, you know, one of the things we've heard, and maybe it's the proximity of where we live uh, relative to Capitol Hill, but over the past decade or so, we have heard uh, various drumbeats around big tech monopolies. Alphabet and meta platforms are very much on that list. If you are working in the corporate law offices of either of these companies, are, are you quietly heartened by this? Because it makes the monopoly case against them a little bit harder, doesn't it? Are you going with the bad news is good news argument? I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to do that. I'm, <laughs> let's, just go, let's just go with, if this is, uh, uh, as you said, it's not a four-alarm fire, but it's partially yeah. concerning. Is that a silver lining here? You know, I think, and, and and let's be clear: neither you nor I are 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 lawyers in general, much less antitrust lawyers. But we do, right. we do have to think about this, and I do want to make sure that we say that, so that the anybody who is an antitrust lawyer out there isn't saying, "Well, that's not correct." But I think that probably here in the, here in the U.S. You know, the, the, these companies being American companies have seen a fairly substantial protection against antitrust. Where they really have had to worry has been Europe, where being protective of Google and Facebook uh, and Apple, if you want to throw another one into into the mix, there's not really been an upside you know, to the downside. So, yes, I think this actually probably gives them a little bit more of an argument, but it's called a duopoly for a reason. And that, and, and, and that reason is still that 
50% of, of a $30 billion market is still an, a massive, massive market share. It may actually give them uh, a little more cover to operate. I don't know that, that it gives them any cover to do what you would want companies to do in times like these when, when market prices are depressed which is to go out and go shopping. I think they still would have a pretty substantial argument uh, against being allowed to do much. Let's go back to TikTok for a second, because uh, we have seen just over the past month or so, a couple of state governments ban government employees from having TikTok on their devices. There is legislation moving somewhere through the United States Congress to do the same at the federal government level. Where do you see this going? If you, if you if you had to bet on an outcome, what would you be betting on? Man, I it is inarguable to me that TikTok as the leading product of a Chinese company called ByteDance uh is in fact tracking us in ways that that we may be incredibly uncomfortable with if we put a lot of thought into it. There are also arguments to be made that TikTok at this point supports so many small businesses in the U.S. that it has become unbannable, that it is it's something I, too big to fail, too big to ban. I'm not sure that I buy that. I do think that the argument needs to come down to uh, one of, you know, what, one of protection. And I don't know. I, I, I just don't know that the will is there uh, at this point in time to, uh, to make that happen. I can think of several companies that would be thrilled at the news that TikTok uh, it's is... It's possible being... we've talked about a couple of them. Um, I, I did a, uh, let's just call it a hyper-local poll of uh, the three uh, younger people in my family. And I just, <laughs> I, I, I just sort of posed to them like, hey, just indulge me for a second. Let's just say TikTok went away. Let's just say it went away. And of course, they were immediately like, wait, is Was it going away? I'm like, no, no, just, just work with me. Let's just say it's going away. Where would you go for short form video? And all three of them pointed to YouTube shorts in, in part because of, you know, the way that Google and YouTube are really pushing short videos. I'm sure that's part of it. But I, I guess that's, you know, to your point about, you know, is TikTok unbannable? That has to be part of the equation, right? That, that part of the equation for any regulator thinking about that, part of the equation has to be like, well, wait, who's going to benefit from this? Oh, right. The big tech companies just get more dominance in a platform where they're kind of getting their butts kicked at the moment. Yeah, I think that I, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I'm not sure that they are really I mean, I think in the short term, they would they, they would benefit. I mean, if you think about TikTok, it kind of came out of nowhere. And in an environment in which we would have already said, and it is almost always a mistake to do this, to say, well, the race is over and Google and Facebook have won. It's The race is never over. So I would suspect that if TikTok is banned, it would be a very quick jelly donut like shot in the arm for, uh, for, for these companies and their own platforms. But people are going to congregate someplace else, and I would suspect that that someplace else 
is in someone's garage right now or it is fairly low on you know in the app store right now uh, and may not be something as large and un- unwieldy as an instagram or a youtube bill man always great talking to you thanks for being here hey thanks chris it's not just stocks that have had a rough 2022 bonds have as well but that means corporate debt is on sale. Robert Brokamp and Allison Southwick discuss the ins and outs of buying bonds. When the stock market drops in our heart of hearts, we hope it'll recover because, I mean, it always has in the past. The problem is we don't know exactly when or, you know, to be honest, even if. That's because there are no guarantees with equities, and this can be pretty distressing for investors. Fortunately, there are investments that, like stocks, can go up and down in value, but are contractually obligated to return a certain amount of money on a certain date. And right now, many of those investments are selling at a discount. And yes, we're talking about boring old bonds. They're not nearly as exciting as stocks, but believe it or not, the bond market is actually bigger than the stock market. Partially because investors like what bonds provide, reliable income and relatively low volatility. At least that's what they usually provide. This year has been very different. The Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index has lost more than 10% in 2022, making this the worst year for the index since its inception in 1977. Yeah, it's been a pretty rough year for bonds, and thanks largely to the Federal Reserve, which has been hiking rates since March. And when rates go up, bond prices go down, because who wants to pay full price for a bond yielding 2% when I can go out and buy a new bond yielding 4%? But here's the deal. Many bonds are now trading for 90 to 95 cents on the dollar, and their prices will rise as they get closer to their maturity date, which is the date that the bondholder gets the money back. They'll get the full value of the bond, otherwise known as the par value. You throw in the highest yields we've seen in over a decade, and you get a decent return on a usually safe investment. Now, I suspect most of our listeners understand that you probably shouldn't have all your money in the stock market, especially if you're close to or even in retirement. And most of us have probably seen bond funds in our 401ks. So is a mutual fund or an ETF the best way to go when it comes to buying bonds? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think that's the way most people buy bonds, but buying an individual bond may be a better choice if you want to be very certain about how much interest you'll receive and how much money you'll get back in the future when the bond matures. Um, and most people haven't spent much time buying individual bonds, so you may wonder, well, how do you do it? So you could buy individual treasuries directly from Uncle Sam, commission-free at treasurydirect.gov, and treasuries are considered the safest investments in the world. Uh, And if you look at the bond area of your discount broker website, you'll likely see a whole inventory of treasuries, corporate bonds, municipal bonds. And if you've never bought individual bonds before, you may see some terms you're not familiar with. So let's discuss an example. So I checked one of my accounts, and I see a bond that is trading with the following information. So it's offered by the Simon Property Group, which is a real estate investment trust focusing mostly on retail properties um, throughout the world. So you'll see the name of the bond, and then what you'll see are ratings from the ratings agencies. And the agencies are generally Standard & Poor's, Fitch, and Moody's. And basically, the ratings are the agency's assessment of the risk that a company will default on its bond obligations. So the ratings range from the best at AAA, that means very, very, very low likelihood of default, 
all the way down to single D. That's the lowest. That means this company is hanging on by a thread. And there's also a dividing line at triple B. So anything with that rating or above is considered investment grade. Anything below that rating is considered speculative, otherwise known as junk. And, I, and if you're going to buy individual bonds, I think you're best to stick with investment grade bonds. And now this bond from the Simon Property Group is rated with a single A. So that's good. It means it has likely a low risk of default. Doesn't mean it can't default, but according to the ratings agencies, it's a very low risk. So then the next thing you're going to see when you look up a bond is its coupon. And this bond has a coupon of 3.3%. That is the amount of interest paid as a percentage of the bond's full or par value. And the term coupon harkens back to the days when investors actually bought paper bonds with several coupons attached. And to get the interest, you actually had to bring the coupon into a bank. Um, but the coupon rate is not the current yield on the bond. Uh, because for this bond, the price of the bond is trading at a discount. And specifically, its price is 95.8% of its par value. And when you look up the price of a bond, the way they're priced is always a percentage of the par value. So what you really want to look for is the yield to maturity, which for this bond is 4.7%. That's closer to the actual return you'll receive. It's a combination of the interest payments and the increase in value of the bond as it moves back to 100% of its par value on the maturity date, which for this bond is January 15th, 2026, so a little more than three years from now. Now, if you're considering this bond from the Simon Property Group, you may also look at its stock, which has a dividend that is currently yielding a very impressive 6.2%. So you may wonder, why buy a bond that will return below 5%? when I can buy the stock with a higher yield that also has higher price appreciation potential? And of course, the answer is you can have much more faith in the return you'll get from the bond. As long as the company's still in business, you'll definitely get the interest and a bit of price growth because it's trading at a discount over the next three years. As for the stock, who knows what the stock will be worth three years from now or how much the dividend will be. Plus, if the company does go under, bondholders get paid back first. And the typical recovery is about 25% to 50% of the value of the bond. Shareholders get paid last, and they usually lose their entire investment. So that's just one example. As you look at the inventory of bonds offered in your brokerage account, you're going to find plenty of issues selling, uh, selling for 90% or less of their par value. Therefore, you'll get the growth and the income when the bond matures, assuming the issuer is still in business. And that last part is important. Even highly rated bonds can default. So diversification is just as important with a bond portfolio as it is with a stock portfolio. So yeah, diversification. I mean, a bond fund does seem like the easier option because I get instant diversification with a single investment and it also seems like a lot less work. Yes, it is. So learning to buy individual bonds can take some work. You definitely take the time to educate yourself. Um, also, buying bonds below or above par value in a regular taxable brokerage account, so not an IRA, can create a variety of tax issues. So you'd want to make sure you learn more before you begin your bond buying adventure. And you do get a ton of it diversification with a bond fund. For example, the Vanguard Total Bond Market ETF owns more than 10,000 bonds. And on top of that, according to Morningstar, the weighted price of those bonds is 89% of their par values, which means most are trading at discounts. You can also look at the, the fund's yield to maturity, which is 4.9%. And that's a, a helpful hint as to what the returns could be, especially when you're comparing one fund to another. But it's also a bit misleading because the fund won't actually hold all those bonds to maturity. In fact, this is the primary downside of a standard bond fund. Holdings are traded in and out of the fund throughout the year, so investors don't really know how much the fund will be worth in the future. But there's a relatively new solution. 
target date bond ETFs. These are funds that only own bonds that mature in the same year. So while the share price of the fund will go up and down with interest rates, and if you own corporate bonds, also the overall economy, they tend to return to their initial net asset value or share price, or maybe even a bit higher when the ETF liquidates after all the bonds have matured. So the two main issuers of target date bond ETFs are BlackRock, which calls them iShares iBonds, and Invesco, which calls them bullet shares. Um, let's check out the history of the iShares iBonds December 22 corporate bond ETF. So that's the one that is just maturing this month. Its inception was in March of 2015 at a share price of $25. It only owned corporate bonds that matured in 2022. The share price throughout the last seven years definitely moved up and down, especially during the pandemic panic of 2022. But now that we have reached the end of the maturity year of the ETF, it has returned to its $25 share price. In fact, the fund is now all cash and it soon will be dispersed to shareholders and then the fund will cease to exist. Now, if you're looking for one to vote to invest in now for the next few years, let's consider the iShares iBonds December 2026 corporate bond ETF. So that's one that's going to mature in four years, holds 513 bonds, currently trades at $23.50, so at a discount of its initial share price, and it has a yield to maturity of 5%. Because all the bonds will mature in 2026, you can feel reasonably confident that you will earn approximately 5% annualized if you hold this fund until 2026, barring some sort of significant economic downturn that results in like a huge wave of defaults. Okay, bro, let's wrap this up with talking about how much should someone invest in bonds? So I would say general rule of thumb here at The Fool is that you should have, you know, five to ten percent of your portfolio out of stocks as a, as a starting point. You know, once you're within a decade of retirement, maybe consider having twenty five percent to thirty five percent out of stocks, and then once you're retired, perhaps thirty five percent to forty five percent out of stocks. And of course, you know, as always, it depends on your circumstances, your risk tolerance, whether you have other resources like a pension or something like that. That non-stock money should include both cash and bonds. So for money you want to keep absolutely safe and liquid, cash is still the best bet, um, especially with high-yield savings accounts nowadays offering 3% or higher. For money you need in the next year or two, actually, individual treasuries are pretty hard to beat these days. The rates are over 4.5%, plus the interest is free from state taxes. And then for money you don't need for three to five years or longer that you want to keep out of the stock market, I think bonds are a great place to, to, to consider because they're now offering the most attractive potential returns they have in well over a decade. Well, that doesn't sound so boring after all. <laughs> I'm glad you think so, Allison. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm confused. What about those N's and K's? Do you use one or two? I remember when I was back in elementary school. A Spanish kid told me that it starts with a silent J. But Julio was wrong. Or maybe he was right. Can someone decide? Is there an answer to my 
Spell Hanukkah. 